Hello everyone, good morning and welcome to Every Nation Bahrain. It's a privilege and a pleasure to have you with us today. And I know we see new faces, no? New and young faces like me. Oh, thank you, Lord. And then just to change the mood because after a praise and worship like that, it's, it, it feels like it's so difficult to come on the stage. I just want to keep on singing and singing and singing and no longer are believing with me that God is here with us today. Amen. God is here with us today. And, and, and this, uh, right? Um, and, and today is actually the second week of our series entitled Abide. But before that, you know, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Mitch. Like uh, what I said last week and the week before that, and again the week before that, I am a father of two, and this is my family here. I'm a father of two and a husband of one. And, and why am I standing here in front right now? I'm standing here in front right now because I believe, and I hope to, you do too, I believe that this Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you know, is worthy of all honor, right? of all praise, of all worship is worthy of our surrender. And, and, and I believe that's the reason why we gather here today. And like what I said earlier, today is thank you so much, Anthony. Right? There's issue there again. I will try not to cry today. And again, like what I said earlier, today is the second the week of our um, series entitled Abide. And, and when we talk about Abide, you know, what comes to your mind? Abide is not just staying, right? Abide is not just remaining, but rather abide is choosing to remain with force. Right? And, and the, the thing why I don't like remain or stay as a definition for abide is because when circumstances change, it's easy for us to move. When circumstances hurt or when pain Right? Or, or when, when, when you don't like the person sitting next to you, or you just don't like the person standing in front of you, you know, if we only remain, we leave. But what I'm trying to say to you today is that abide is choosing to stay where we are right now in the presence of our Lord, despite the circumstances that surround us. And I like this here because, because it encourages us to not only abide in the Word, but to live according to the word. Not just to abide and stay in the word, but to live and demonstrate and declare the word. Have you ever watched um, or played um, what's that thing? Plant versus zombies, right? Or have you ever watched Walking Dead? Who only watch The Walking Dead? I haven't because it's really scary. And when my wife watches it in the, at night before we sleep, I, I just I ask her to put her headset on. I, I really don't like the movie or, or the series Walking Dead. But, right? If you watch it, question is Have you ever been asked this question? What makes you different from those who are walking their dogs out? What makes us different? What, what makes us different from the dead that are walking outside? Why is 
it that many people around us say that as Christians, we are sometimes no different from the walking dead. We are sometimes no different from them. But in fact, I'm not saying dislike them, I'm saying love them. But what I'm trying to point out is this. Because we have been redeemed, we have been saved, and we have been, been breathed life into, there must be something different to us. And yet, I come, I, 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 I spend time with other people, and the first question I heard, I hear is this. What makes us different? What makes us different? What makes us different in our prayer life? What makes us different in the way we read the word? What makes us different in the way, this one hurts, the way we treat people? When you're driving along the road and someone cuts you, do you still curse? Do you still wish something bad that would happen happening upon that person? How do you treat people? Is it different? In the way we think. Do we still think the same way as zombies? And I, 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 I like this illustration of zombies because we will be ending with the same illustration. Like we will be talking about zombies. Now when we look at the, when, when we look at the choices that we make and the way we act outside, sometimes it really doesn't reflect Christ, isn't it? The choices we make and the way we act. Does it reflect Christ? It doesn't look like we are different from the living dead for now. Right? Because our actions are not those that reflect a life changed by the world. This is the challenge. This is the, 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 the difficulty in following Christ. Our life must reflect a life that has been changed by Christ. And even if we don't, no? Have you ever encountered a person, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Right? He insists that he is a Christian, but his actions say otherwise. And I'm not saying this, and, and, and I'm not saying this because I'm, I'm there. No, I'm saying this because I am still growing. And why does this happen? Why does this happen? And there are a lot of reasons why this happened. But becoming a Christian is more than just learning about Christ. It's not just about knowing about Christ. It's not about learning about Christ. It's not just being inspired by Him. It's not just being, met, being mentored by Him and receiving and taking out of Him. Becoming a Christian is more than that. It 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 it, it does nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, becoming a Christian is more than that. Becoming a Christian is a choice to abide and stay and remain in God's word, even if the word of God is uncomfortable. It's easy for us to be moved by the word. But not moved in a positive sense. It's easy for us to be moved by the word in a sense that when it's, it gets uncomfortable, we just leave. 
And yet it happens because of many reasons, but I guess one of the reasons is that we really didn't have any intention to be changed by the Word in the first place. Maybe we really didn't have any intention to be transformed by God. Maybe we were attracted to the cause. Maybe we were attracted by the seat, by our seatmates. Maybe we were forced to attend church. And then when we attend church, oh, we, we felt spiritually enlightened and then we chose to stay. But maybe there was no transformation in our life because we didn't want God to transform us in the first place. And this is where abiding becomes difficult. Because God is changing our perceptions. God is changing the way we think. And it's uncomfortable. So my prayer today is this. That we find ourselves in a place of humility. In a place where we invite God and ask God, God, here I am. I, am, I profess I am a Christian, but I am still dead in some of my ways. We find ourselves in that position so we can invite God to breathe life into us. To breathe life in that area of our life that has been dead. Because some of us, we decided to follow Christ eagerly. And then we were, you know, we, we were excited. We were willing to go beyond what, what we're being called to do. But along the way, religion, you know, suffocated us. Religion killed us. Responsibilities in church were so much. And we just died. So if you find yourself today in that position where you say, God, I have died in this area in my life, or breathed life into it, then I want that to invite, and then I would like to tell you that you are in the right place. A right place of humility and a right place of asking God to, you know, to, to partner with you. Now, last week, right, or, or rather my prayer is that in this series, we all discover, rediscover again, the power and the beauty of God's word. That we allow the word not just to move us in a place of intellect. That we allow the word not just to move us in a place of inspiration, but we allow the word to move us in a place of grace and transformation. I hope that is your prayer too. Because and, and, and before we open our Bibles, I, I just want to tell you about last week. Right? Last week we we, we talked about the word become flesh. And, and, and this thought is really amazing and mind-blowing. Because to a Jew, it's difficult to have their minds wrapped around this fact that God became flesh in Jesus Christ. It's difficult for them to, because all their lives, they were reaching out to God. All their lives, they were working hard to be saved. All their lives, they were trying to do to be good. It was difficult for them to wrap their minds around this amazing fact that the God in the Old Testament is now here on earth with me. And the Word became flesh, and it's a blessing that He came here. It's a blessing because He knows what we are all going through. He knows the suffering that we go through every single day. He knows what you're going through right now because God is here. He has been made flesh 
Right? He made he, he made the game flesh so that through him we may receive mercy. But not just mercy, even grace. Why? Because we were all dead. We were all dead in our trespasses. We were dead because of sin. And it needed a perfect man, a, a sinless, blameless man to die on our behalf on, our, on the cross so that all of us may be saved because He is our Savior. That's what we talked about last week. And this week, I want to talk to you about the word Jesus Christ becoming or giving life. The word gives life. Now, when we approach the word, when we read the word of God, like what I was saying earlier, do we receive life? Do we get life when we read the word of God? Or, or is it just uh, more things to do and more things, you know? Is it more religion when you read the Word of God, or is it the, the, is the Word revealing to you who Jesus Christ is? And that's also one of my prayers that whenever we read the Word, we find Christ because the Word gives life. And, and, and I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 5. Let's all open our Bibles there. John chapter 5. And we read from verses 19 to 29. Turn your Bibles to everyone. John chapter 5, 19 to 29. And in reverence to our name, invite everyone to stand up. That's on verse 19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him, so that you, this means us, may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son. Just as they honor the Father, whoever then does not honor the Son, does not honor the Father who sent Him. Truly, truly, again He says, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who will hear will live. For as the Father has died in himself, so has he granted, so he has granted the Son to uh, son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming 
when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. All in the tombs will hear his voice. And come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. That's our heads. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, for your word this morning. And Father, right now, we invite you, Lord God, to just mold our hearts, prepare our minds and our hearts, Lord, to receive your word that is life. And my prayer today, Lord, is that as we receive life, Lord, you will also open opportunities for us to share this life that has been given. In Jesus' name, pray. Because the Jews back then were so blinded by their religion. 
to the point that their religion was dead. And Jesus came and was breathing life into that religion. And it does an act of grace. That's an act of grace. And I come back to that later. And in verse, um, so instead, and so in verse 18, so this is what time was happening. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself unequal with God. Remember what I said earlier? That it was difficult for the Jews to wrap their minds around God or the Word becoming flesh. Because they, you know, to them, God was so high that he, he, he won't come down. God was something that they have to achieve. But now God is came down. And not only that, Jesus is also telling them that He is the Son of the Father and making Him equal to God. So, He healed the man in the Sabbath, timeline, Facebook timeline, right? He healed the man in the Sabbath, and He most said, oh, this man is healed. And then after He, he healed the man in the Sabbath, right? Good question. Do you know the name of the person that he healed on the Sabbath? No one knows the name of the person. No one? Okay. The name of the person that he healed in the Sabbath is Tolitz. Tolitz. Why? If you read the story, he's the one who told the Pharisees who healed him. No? So he's colleagues, right? That's a trivia, right? Not that down. Don't forget it. So, but, so, right? So he healed him, and then colleagues told the Pharisees that it was Jesus who healed him, and the Pharisees confronted Jesus Christ, and the Pharisees wanted to kill Jesus Christ. Now, if you were in the position of Christ, if you were the apostle, one of the apostles of Christ, what would you have done? Most of us would have run away. Correct? There's a death threat. They wanted to kill Christ. Most of us would have run away. But what did Christ do? He stayed. He stayed and he explained to them. And when he explained to them, it wasn't the eyes of anger when he was speaking English. It was actually the eyes of compassion. And you will see that earlier when he says, so that you may marvel. It was the eyes of compassion so that why that's the reason why he chose to stay. So that's the so that's the that's the context. That's what's happening. And then another reason we have another hand that we have to understand the word today is the word truly truly. Truly truly. And what does truly truly mean? Truly truly means uh, it, it's repeated three times in, in, in this in the text that we have just read. But truly, truly, actually, is the same word as amen. Word, yung mga bata. May kapitan. It's the same word as the word amen. It originates from there. And what does amen mean? Okay, it's not all this, huh? So, agree with God, move with God, end with God, and never doubt God. Agree with God, move with God, end with God, and 
never got, never got God. But instead of Jesus using it in the end, He's using it before the statement. And when we read truly, truly, He's only saying this, that this is a truth that we should hold on to. This is a truth that we should abide in. This is a truth that we should not let go of. Because even when the killers or when you have death threats around you, you don't know many comments you know, floating around the eyes. You don't know that. But even if the death is around us, we can hold on to Christ because of this. Truly to this. And then he goes on to say, I say to you. Wow. That's just an amazing scene right there in front of the people that want to kill him. And in front of the people that want to kill him, he says, So truly, truly, I say to you who wants to kill me. And if we are honest with ourselves, there are times when we want them to kill Christ. If we are truly honest with ourselves, there are times when we want to have, we just we just want to give up following Christ. If we are honest with ourselves, there are already areas in our lives where we have killed Christ. But this is what he's saying today. Truly, truly, I, Jesus Christ, not me, say to you. The Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. And before we dive there, Let's ask this question to ourselves. What are the areas or what are the dead areas of our life? Is it our prayer time? Is it our time of devotion? Is it our discipleship? Is it in our relationships? What are the areas of our life that are dead or dying? Is it our health? Is it our passion for God? And, and let's just bring that to light right now because today Jesus wants to breathe life into those areas. Today, let us invite Jesus to breathe life into those dead and dying areas of our lives. Why can we why can we invite God? Why can we invite God? Or why can we, why can we invite Jesus Christ to be precise? Because Jesus is God. Amen. If that's not a reason that is good enough for you to abide in him. I don't know what. Right? It says, truly, truly, I say to you, 
And the, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father is doing. Now, what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is actually establishing two things. First is that he is a son of God the Father. He has a relationship with God. And in this discussion, Jesus was explaining this relationship and work that he was doing with the Father. Son cannot do nothing of his own accord, but only what the Father is doing. Right? And again, when you look at verse 17, the subject of verse 17 is this. If you open your Bibles to verse 17, chapter 5, verse 17, it says here, But Jesus answered them, My Father is working until now, and I am working. What is He saying? He's saying, My Father, My Father is working so that then those of them is working. Again, the context, the Jews were attacking Him because He was a Sabbath breaker. But Jesus is saying here that my father is working on it now. And if you think about it, from the day that sin entered the world, the father did not stop working for our redemption. From the day that Adam and Eve fell in sin, God is not, does not, not stop working for our redemption. And that's the reason why until now, or that's the reason why the key is also working. But clearly, he's saying that my father. They have a relationship. And because of they have a relationship, you know what? We can clearly say because they have a relationship, they are also equals. Right? That's what it says here. Verse, let's get verse 19. Sabi the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. And if you look closely, not only did Jesus say that God was working on the Sabbath, not in healed on the Sabbath, but he was also saying that he is the son of God, which is making him equal to God. He is God. Because Jesus is the son of God, he is also God. He is not a form of a diminished God like how the Greeks or the Gentiles viewed God becoming who man was. Because remember to the Greeks, when the Word became flesh, what they thought was a superhero. He's still man. He's still Galata, like Superman. I thought he was not Galata because he was Superman, but he died. He's not, he's, he, when he became flesh, like we talked about last week, he did not diminish his divinity. He is still God. 100% God, fully God and fully man. Now, this is something that's difficult for them to understand. And this is something that, you know, that's the reason why they were wanted to kill him. And then it goes on to say, for whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. And what's so wonderful here is that Jesus is able to see God at work in his everyday life. Jesus was able to see God at work in their everyday lives. And sino ang audience? Who was a word audience? 
The audience were the Pharisees. Who were the Pharisees? People who claim to know God. But the question is, why do these people who claim to know God don't know God move or can't see God move in their everyday lives? I know, you know, when, when a subway package comes to my doorsteps and it's made of the noble beast, I know that that's the work of Piyajem. Why? Because I know Piyajem. Right? I know that if, 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 if uh, 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 a toy that has been assembled like a ganda comes into my doorsteps, I know that that's the work of Yogi. Why? Because I know Yogi will do that. And when I open the mailbox and I see a Lego game, or I know that's going to come from someone else, but when I open my mobile legends app and I see that I have skins, I know that that came from Anthony. Because, and I know Anthony, I'm aware of what he's doing, but the question is this, the Pharisees claim that they know God, but they don't see God at work. And here, Jesus is saying that my relationship is so close to the Father that I see Him work in my everyday life, in my everyday things. So my question to you today is this. Do you know the Father so much? Do you know the Son so much that you see Him at work in your life as well? Another, you know, another verse, if you go, if you go to verse 20, he says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all, all, he, all that he himself is doing, and greater words than these will show him so that you may marvel. Why was God showing these things to Jesus Christ? And there it says in the word, For the Father loves the Son. Do we love the Father so much that we are excited to see Him work in our everyday lives? Amen. And, what, and then again, he further he says, and greater works than these, he will, these will He show Him. Greater works. Greater works, not just healing, why? Because so that we may murder. See, the Pharisees were questioning the healing in the, uh, the pool of Bethesda. Jesus is saying, oh, if that's, I mean, that's, that's exciting, and that's, that's marvelous, and that, that changes you know, the perspective, or you say, wow, to that healing, wait, 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 there's more. Greater works, He will show the Son. Why? For our sake. For their sake. So that they may marvel. And that's the reason why I was telling you earlier that what Christ was doing, you know, what Christ was teaching, even if it was counterculture, it's not to punish them, it's not to say that they were wrong and even not that. Christ was doing this because of grace, because of mercy. In the eyes of Christ, he sees these Pharisees who think they know God, who think they know the law. In the eyes of Christ, he sees these people who think that they are great. He, in his eyes, he still sees them as sheep without a shepherd. He does this not because he wants to prove himself, 
No. Or, or in our sense, no, I do this so that I can become famous. No, he's not doing that. He's doing this so that they may marvel. And again, he says a greater work than this he will show. And this is the greater work. For, for us, the Father, right, raises the dead and gives them life. So also the Son gives life to whom he will. So it's no longer just a healing. It's not just healing anymore. I will not just heal you, God is saying. I will raise you from the dead. It's not just healing anymore. I will give you life and a purpose. Because we can live, but live like zombies. We can exist, but without a purpose. And life, and in that life, you know, what God is saying here is not just the life that's bios. It's not just being existing, it's not just existing. That's not just the life that God is saying. What God is saying here is, I will give you life, meaning Zoe. Zoe meaning a purpose, a reason for existence. You don't want to live your life like a zombie just wandering around the street looking for food to eat. You don't want to live your life like a zombie who just walks around, smells and stinks of being a zombie. You want to live a life that is so, a life that has purpose and meaning, and that purpose and meaning can only be found in Christ. It's not in our works. It's not in our backgrounds. It's not who from. It's not how famous we are. It's not our, how many followers we have on Instagram. It's not that. It's a life that has been given meaning because of the Word, because of Jesus Christ. Jesus also, the Father, you know, the Father uh, raises the dead. But we also see here that Jesus also gives life like the Father. Jesus also can raise the dead just like the Father. Jesus was pointing out this ultimate power. You can heal the sick. Oh, there's nothing he can raise the dead. Raising the dead and give him life. Raising the dead by us and then give him life and so on. When the religious leaders ignored the power of Jesus to heal, they ignored, right? And focus only him being a Sabbath breaker, he reveals himself even further to them by saying that he is the source of life. Like my point earlier, God the Father is equal to God the Son. They are equal in, in, in power, they are equal in majesty, they are equal in everything. And not only that, they are also in perfect agreement with each other. So much so, in verse 22, it says here, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. They were in a total agreement with each other. God the Father and God the Son, the Word, are in perfect unity. They are in perfect 
are claiming even in the area of judgment. Now, judgment, what comes to your mind when you hear about the word judgment? Scary, right? When you hear the word judgment, how do you feel? Scared? Verse 23, it says here that all may honor the Son 
just as the uh, just as they honor the father, because whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. And when I read this, I see a warning. And it is for this reason also that I honor God. Because God loved me first despite me being found guilty of sin, judgment earlier. And yet He still loved me. And, and I just want to lay down this, this not warning, but rather red flag. Where, and, and let me say this out, you can't honor God without honoring the Son. Let me say that again. You can't honor God without honoring the Son. And if you don't honor the Son, then you don't honor the Father too. If you honor the Son, then you also honor the Father. And, and, and that's me. Him coming to me in flesh, in Him, you know, looking, reminding me that He is not only able to heal me, but rather resurrect me, that enough is really, that is good reason enough for me to abide in Him. But wait, there's no more. He says again in verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Jesus is now explaining to their, I mean, astonished leaders, right? Jesus is now explaining to the now astonished leaders that they will not just have life, Jesus is offering eternal life. He said, truly, truly, most assuredly, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Jesus is offering eternal life, but it doesn't stop. You know? But it also reminds us that life can only be found in Christ. They can give, both of them can give life because they are both the source of life, but more than being the source of life, they are also giving us a reason to exist. Like the man who was in Bethesda, that pool, almost for decades he was there. He, has, he was still life, but he had no purpose in life. Now when Jesus came, he gave him purpose in life, and, and that life can be found, can be found anywhere else. Not in our jobs, our significance cannot be found anywhere else. Not in our partners, our significance can only be found in Jesus Christ. And I'm trying to be going fast. Now, truly, truly, this is the, the third truly, truly, I say to you. Right? No, this is the second truly, truly. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever has my word and believes who sent me has eternal life. What does that say? Eternal life is now, Jesus, our eternal life is experienced right here, right now. The life God is giving us is, is, is here is actually an extension for eternal life. It's not saying that we will receive eternal life after we die, but He's saying here that eternal life is already here, right now. And, right? In God's, sorry. Eternal life is here right now. 
And you move on further. In verse 25, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Not only is Jesus Christ the source of life that He is offering to you and me right now, He is also the resurrection and the When God became flesh, He paid the death of the penitent, He paid the penitence, penance of death so that we may live. Three days after, when He rose again, He gave it. He, 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 when He was after He was rose again, He offered the life of eternal life and the forgiveness of our sins. This is the life that is being offered to us, but it doesn't stop there. It also says He is the resurrection or, or the resurrection and life. Because in verse 26 it says, as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself. And He, given, he has given Him authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So, truly, truly, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Truly, truly, He came and is giving us life. And truly, truly, He came and is offering us resurrection from death and giving us eternal life. And the best example of this can actually be found a few chapters after in, the, uh, in, in uh, John chapter 11 in the rising order in the resurrection of Lazarus. <coughs> right? So what happened here, so Jesus, John chapter 5, Jesus said that he was the resurrection in life, right? And chapter 5, he was saying greater things you will see than this, not just healing. Now, he was showing the greater things we see, which is the resurrection of Lazarus. And, and here, when, when Lazarus was sick, they called for Jesus Christ. They called for him. They sent a message and tell Jesus Christ that Lazarus is sick. But what did Jesus Christ say? Let's wait for a few more days. And then when Jesus Christ, um, and when, when Lazarus died, when Lazarus died, uh, then Jesus Christ went to Lazarus. So if you're a medical, if you're, if you're a nurse, you would know that if a person has been dead for a few days, he would have been smelling like a zombie and he would have been wearing zombie clothes. Right? And, and they were crying, they were crying, and they were, and then they were telling Jesus, if you have come um, earlier, then maybe he wouldn't have died, maybe we would have been, been healed. But when, when he came, he said, he went to the tomb, and he said, Lazarus come out. And Lazarus was resurrected, isn't it? But what's interesting is in John chapter 11, verses 23 to 25 to 26. 
verses 25 to 26, it says here, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. Yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he threw this question. Do you believe this? And I, I want to throw that question back to you today. Earlier we talked about, and I'd like to invite the music to join the stage. Earlier we talked about zone. And we talk about errors in our life that have died. Or errors in our life that are dying. When Jesus said, Jesus is telling you right now, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is saying to you right now, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Question is, do you believe in this? We have experienced Christ in our lives. We have experienced, we have seen him heal and cease. We have, you know, we, when we were broken, when we were hurt, when the world was against us, we have experienced Him standing beside us. We have experienced His goodness. We have experienced changed life. I was a bad man back then. And when I'm talking here about this, it's not because I have a pain. That perfect life in Christ. No, far from that. I am coming here because I have experienced His forgiveness. Have you experienced His forgiveness? What are the areas in your life that have died? Receive it to the Lord right now. Bring it to life. He is asking us, do you believe in this? Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Jesus, though he die, he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in him shall never die. Church, do you believe in this, that He is God become man, who died on your behalf to pay for your sins? He was in heaven, enjoying the joy of great things, but He left all of that for a broken humanity. A broken humanity that He came and healed because of His wounds. A humanity that He became with Him, that He has made whole because He was broken. This is the Jesus that I follow. This is the Jesus that I chose to abide in no matter what. And He is now offering us resurrection and life. 
Do you believe in this? Now, if you believe in this, I'd like to invite you to stand up right now. Father, we come before you right now, our God, with the areas in our life that are dead or dying. Lord, thank you for your word today. And Father, right now, we just offer these things to you, these dead areas in our life. These dying areas in our life, Father, we just offer it to you. We bring it to your light. You are the light of man. And Father, as we bring it out to you, we invite you to breathe life into our into these dying areas of our lives. Lord, breathe life in our prayer life right now. In the name of Jesus. Lord, breathe life right now in our God in our discipleship. Lord, breathe life for God right now in our devotional life, Lord. Father, we ask Lord, that when we open your Bible, when we open your word, Lord, we find life. Yes, Lord, we know, Lord, that as we read your word, we will find judgment. But Lord, we thank you for the judgment. Because of the judgment, Lord, we know what areas in our life we have to submit to you. And Lord, right now, we ask for grace. Lord, it will be difficult for us to release this. I know that, Lord, right now, we ask for grace, Lord, that when we surrender this, Lord, you will be Father, even right now we know that some people are sick. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you heal them right now. We ask, Lord, that you restore them right now. Father, we lift them up to you. Lord, use us, Lord, even to be conduits of that life. Use us, Lord, to be conduits of the life that you offer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for giving life. And Lord, we accept that life right now in the name of Jesus. We accept that life. We accept that life right now. Thank you, Lord, for the restoration. Thank you, Lord, for the life, the acceptance, and the love. Why don't we sing the last song of the song?
start, Lord. We thank you, God, for giving us a new beginning, Lord. We thank you, God, for coming up to us and restoring us and giving us time and giving us a fresh start, Lord. There are areas in our life, Lord, that are not pleasing to you, but Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your love and your grace and for your mercy. We receive that life, Lord, that you're bringing into us right now. We receive that, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. May the Lord give you peace and life and resurrection. May the Lord give you opportunities to share the life that He has given, the treasures that are in your hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.